Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now, I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I am married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then and you're re- Reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? I got an interesting email this this morning, and it was from someone who had said, "You know, I just really am not buying the concept of sex addiction. I don't believe it. I think this is an excuse that." Sex addicts and the industry have created the sex addict because he or she doesn't want to admit that they're behaving badly. And the industry is a way to exploit others. Wow. I have heard that before. i got to tell you. I'm Carol Jurgensen-Sheep, a.k.a. Carol the Coach, and I've heard some organizations say, Sex addiction does not exist, that it is a, um, it's on a continuum of sexuality and it's behaviors that should not be pathologized. That's the American Association of Sex Educators, uh, Therapists and Counselors, and they are ASECT. And ASECT is this amazing organization. Uh, They are the premier sex therapists of the world. They've gone through a lot of education They've gotten a lot of certification, but this is where we just have to basically disagree with each other. I get that ASAC doesn't want us to pathologize people, and they have not studied. I shouldn't say that because actually, as it, in the world of ICAP, they certified sex addict therapists. In the world of APSATs, which are partner-sensitive also uh, therapists and, and coaches, we do have some ASEX in both of those organizations. So this isn't everybody, but this is a stand that they've taken. They've put out 
um, a disclaimer. They have, they just have very strong beliefs as an organization that there is no such thing. So I have to say that being coupled with men or women that are partners that just cannot believe that it's a compulsion. They do not believe that it is um, uncontrollable without the right tools. Um, it, it makes it so much more difficult to heal. Because when you understand that your loved one, be it a male or a female, has compulsive sexual behavior and they are struggling with something that unless they use the right tools, they're going to fall off the wagon. Just just like people in Alcoholics Anonymous do or Narcotics Anonymous. If you don't practice principles that actually keep you sober, you are going to fall off the wagon. And that's always my promise to addicts. I say you got to do eight of my ten recovery tools. So I'm not surprised to get these emails. I get them all the time. And the excruciating pain or his sex addict got discovered, followed the tools, and then they went back. They slipped or relapsed. It makes it especially hard for them to heal again. It's almost as if they formed a second type of post-traumatic stress disorder called complex post-traumatic stress, and, and they really are extra hypervigilant, and they are extra um, fearful, and they don't buy that the person can recover. They just think they're acting badly. So the truth of the matter is this is a hard disorder, and this is so hard for people that love the person with compulsive problematic sexual behavior, and we got to work together to help each other heal. Now, that being said, I'm not stating that the spouse has to stay together. I mean, he or she needs to follow whatever they feel is in their best interest. But as a community, as a world, as recovery um, support system, we can help each other by, A, holding them accountable, B, providing the support, and, and C, especially having empathy for what a struggle this is. Because you've heard me say it before, sex addiction is absolutely the hardest addiction to stay recovered from. So this is no easy feat. And um, it's just so sad that people are having to deal with it, but they are. And so we got to help them get healthy. All right. I'm so excited today because I have a, an author coming on who we've had on once before when she wrote the book Unstuck. And she wrote that book and then got some feedback that there needed to be some sort of study guide or manual 
to help implement um, how to help people officially get unstuck. So she said, I would be happy to come back on the show. She actually wrote a study guide, um, which has lots of thought-provoking questions and easy-to-follow checklists. I mean, it is this manual that will really help walk you through how to unstick from those behaviors that are actually not working for you. And she identifies some. I mean, truly, she talks about um, the default to be other-focused, you know. Uh, she, doesn't, she doesn't necessarily uh, want to label it, but she is able to say when, when you're not working on yourself and, and whether that's through nurturance, intentional self-care, whether that's support, you're missing the ball because there will be people that will take advantage of you or you will stay stuck to people that are not healthy. You've got to do the work yourself. So I am really thrilled that she's going to be on and talking about this new manual and telling us how our listening audience can get it. And so I just want to welcome Charlene Benson to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. Charlene, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Excellent. Yeah, I am so happy that you put together this second manual. I mean, the first one is is a book that describes everything, but this is actually a step-by-step guide. Tell us a little bit about the book and then tell us about how you knew to develop the actual study guide. Well, thank you, Carol. It's such a delight to be on the program with you again, and I really appreciate the work that you do and getting the word out to people to help them uh, improve their lives and uh, in, enjoy their lives to the fullest as they were meant to be. And uh, yes, you're right. When I wrote the initial book, Unstuck, uh, a lot of people that, that I was counseling would come in and say, this is a really great read. And I thank my book, uh, my book coach for that, uh, for helping me to organize it and make it sound good. Uh, and then I realized that we can go through it and read it in a few hours, but not really get to that really deep hidden stuff. And I'll share a recent example <clears throat> that happened just last March. My husband and I had gone uh, to a men's retreat. I was down there. Uh, with him because uh, some of the women choose to, the wives, uh, choose to hang out in the lobby area where there were screens uh, so they could hear what the men were hearing without being in the auditorium of the conference room. And so it was a lovely weekend that I had with my son and daughter-in-law and my husband. And we, as we're driving home, my husband was talking about it and saying how he really liked the fact that I was there because he, uh, I could hear the messages, and he always felt like I would bombard him with questions afterwards, and he felt like he didn't have the right answers for them, and that would always stress him out and stuff. And so he said, I, want to, I don't want you to ask me questions. I just want to tell you what I want to share with you. Well, I don't know if it was about the tone or just the statement or what it was, but um, 
I was bothered by that. So I used my empathy skills to empathize with what his perspective was. And then I proceeded to shut down for two days. And it was like, what was going on for me with that? And it literally took me two days to figure out why would I withdraw and shut down, which are two others focused ditch behaviors that I talk about in both my book, Unstuck and the Unstuck Study Guide, which I was well aware of that that was my tendency to do, but I had no clue why I was doing that. And so after two days of pondering it, I finally understood that was his statement, I felt pushed away and dismissed. And so then that the two days later, we had an opportunity to have a conversation about that. We went into both really, really depth on both sides of what effect my comments had on him, what effect his comments had on me. And we both ended up then growing a lot from that experience and being able to understand <clears throat> excuse me, our, our default behavior is much better. Uh, but that to me just underscores the need for this unstuck study guide because those default behaviors and the, the fears that are underneath them can be so deep and so hidden that we don't know or understand why we do what we do. Well, absolutely. And, and, just to clarify for our listening audience, Charlene is calling in them ditch people, D-I-T-C-H. Now, what made you decide to call them ditch people? Okay. Well, I initially I wanted that to be the title of my book, but <clears throat> I do like the book that my uh, the title that my publisher selected, Unstuck, is much more fitting because that's the goal and that's what the the whole process. If we stick to this process of identifying our default behaviors and then naming the fears that are driving them, then we are set free from having to continue to react in those automatic unhealthy patterns. So I started using uh, a metaphor of being on the road where we're balanced and happy and able to navigate our relationships in a healthy way uh, versus being in a ditch which is nothing more than an extreme. So one person will tend to default in one extreme way, and the other person in our relationship will tend to default in the opposite extreme way. And I started to notice what these different extreme default behaviors were. They were pretty common throughout every relationship that I saw that we would have, if one person would react in one way, the other person would uh, react in an opposite way. So for ex- an easy example would be if one parent is uh, too strict with a child from the perspective of the other parent, then that other parent will become overly lenient to try to balance that out. It's not conscious, but it's something that we tend to do to try because we don't know how to get that other person to not be as opposite. So then we go to the opposite. Got it. Okay. And so your whole premise in writing this study guide is to help people work through your book. Would you not agree? That's a hundred percent true in the study guide. It's a chapter by chapter uh, at, at some level, it's not a replication of it, but it, at the beginning of each chapter of the study guide, 
it reviews the main points, so you don't you miss out on the stories and some of the other part that develops <clears throat> the whole con all the concepts. But uh, in the study guide, it could be even used as a standalone where you just pick up the study guide, review the main points. If you decide you wanted the book to get the full full impact of it, then you could certainly uh, purchase that. But um, the study guide has those main points in it. And then it asks the readers questions, gently guiding them along. So like in the first two chapters, it's about identifying these uh, default behaviors that we have. And um, in the each extreme side, which I call the ditch, um, it's in naming what these uh, others focused behaviors are and naming the me focused behaviors focused behaviors and it says well you know do i see that behavior in me or do i see it in someone else and if i see it in someone else who do i see it in and so just beginning to notice and so the first two chapters are about gently guiding people to become aware of these behaviors and these things that we become aware of them we see them everywhere and we can more see them in ourselves and stuff. There are a lot of behaviors we readily recognize that, oh, yeah, I do that. And then there's some other behaviors that I'm not so conscious of. And so it just guides our readers through to what their behaviors are and what kind of situations they do. Uh, yeah. and, um, and then helps them move along to get to the deeper part of identifying, well, what are the fears that are driving those behaviors? And then once they can name the fears, then they can begin to figure out what to do about them. Well, I know. And, and so I just want to let our listeners know, um, you know, and kind of summarize, as Charlene says, when, when we're on the road in our relationship and we're getting along fine, Navigation is easy, and everybody knows where they're going. Things are balanced, but when something happens, like addiction and partner betrayal, um, boy, our relationship becomes very off balance. And so she has identified uh, the OF, the other-focused, and the MF, the me-focused characteristics of a person, and you actually have 21 predictable default behaviors, right? Um, That's true, on the, each side. And so you have created the study guide to help people when the default behaviors don't work anymore, um, how to get back into that balanced lane and, and drive safely again. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that because you said that other focused peeps, you know, people that are other focused driven are oftentimes engaging in behaviors that actually protect them. And especially from the rejection and the abandonment that they felt in childhood that they're now feeling again in their present day life. So, what would you tell somebody who has dealt with that oh, complex post-traumatic stress from being abandoned in childhood and then abandoned uh, by the sexual behavior of another person? How would you help them to show up and to be healthier? Well, that is a great question because 
when a person is betrayed, it's such a deep, deep wound. And to have that repeated in adulthood when it was so painful in childhood is just overwhelming. And it, and again, the uh, two ditch, the ditches, um, those behaviors are driven out of fear and powerlessness. They didn't know what to do as children when they were felt rejected or abandoned. And now as adults, the same thing is happening again. They don't know what to do to help themselves uh, with that abandonment and that rejection. And often we don't even realize that that's what's going on. Uh, others focus people tend to, at the deepest level, fear rejection. And so their behaviors mm-hmm. are trying to protect themselves from being rejected. Uh, but what they do then is withdraw or pull back and people who who've experienced abandonment at some level, um, what they do, the, their behaviors are geared to help protect them from abandonment. But the ir- irony of that is when we try to protect ourselves from rejection, we're actually bringing into our lives the very rejection we're trying to protect ourselves from because our withdrawal behaviors, our passive behaviors, our lack of being direct and uh, forthright, all of those things uh, trigger fears of abandonment from our partner who then Mm -hmm. acts in angry, rejecting ways with their behaviors. And then the the more me-focused people tend to fear abandonment more because at some level they experience abandonment. But uh, one of the shocking things I discovered as I was going along this process, I, at first I just thought we always stayed in this ditch uh, when we, we always defaulted to the same kind of behaviors all the time. And then there was one time I was talking to a friend and I said, I feel like I walk on eggshells around my husband. And what I didn't realize was he was within earshot. So he jumped Mm -hmm. into the conversation and said, well, I feel like I walk on eggshells around you. And it was like, what? That's my ditch. What are you doing in my ditch? (laughs) And there was this big shock that he also engaged in those behaviors as well. And then I had a huge aha that we switched ditches. When, when our behaviors aren't working for us in our ditch of choice, the ditch we tend to default to, we'll go to the other ditch. And, I, and then I go, well, why didn't I ever pick up on that for 30 million years? Um, and it was because the kinds, so my passive behaviors would show up in one way. My husband's passive behaviors would show up maybe on different topics or in different ways. So I never picked up on them. And so I re- it was such a level, leveling of the playing field to realize that, oh, I engage in both others-focused and me-focused behaviors depending on the topic and the situation. And so I, I'm served well, to answer your question, it, somebody who's been betrayed, somebody who feels so incredibly powerless in the situation, by beginning to notice and identify what their default behaviors are, and then uh, using the guidelines, a lot of things is learning how to say things differently. That's a lot of the strategies. But then there's 24 other strategies of addressing the fears of 
being able to do something differently. So when we do things differently than our automatic default patterns, then essentially we're crawling out of the ditch onto the road. And when we do that, then our partner has to do something different, not out of force, but because of the fact that we are no longer behaving in the same old ditchy way. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm going to take you back to that first example. I mean, when when you shut down, uh, I think you said for a day, day and a half, and you withdrew, um, that was that was about rejection, was it not? Exactly. I felt rejected. Uh-huh. But I didn't fully realize that that was what was going on for me, which is why it took me two days to figure it out. And so then, and so, yeah, go ahead. following your, your line of reasoning, oftentimes, well, you shut down and, and you're trying to figure things out, but you're also hurt. And so you're licking your wounds, you're feeling abandoned, you're feeling rejected. And then those behaviors do one of two things. They either cre- create abandonment in the other person, therefore you're in the same ditch, or it makes the other person become defensive and there's more abandonment and rejection going on because that other person doesn't understand and maybe gets hypercritical or um, I don't want to say abusive because this was obviously about your husband, but you know, mm-hmm. they, they, when they, when they get defensive, um, oftentimes they're not kind. So when you were exactly. honest about going on with you and you shared that vulnerability, then he could empathize with where you were at, right? Right. And it also opened the door for him to express his own feelings and what brought up for him and what reactions it triggered for him, which was surprising to me that my reaction actually caused him to withdraw and shut down. Because he didn't mm-hmm. feel like mm-hmm. I had given him an opportunity to express or to elaborate on what he meant. Which he was right. You really didn't. But you were so, your feelings overwhelmed you. And, and, and your defense mechanism was, I'm going to retreat for a while. I've got to figure this out. And so... You know, obviously, in some ways, you two had joined the same ditch as you were just talking about earlier, but it could have gone a lot of different ways. Now, let me ask, because, of course, our listening audience are sex addicts and partners, um, do they, would you say that those profiles tend to go into that ditch together or separately? What ditch are they in? I think, well, what, what a great question. I think it could be any variety of scenarios. It could be we both okay. jump in the same ditch. could be we go to opposite ditches. It could be we pull out all stops and uh, pull every ditchy behavior we know on the other person because we've been very hurt. And so in an argument, we can pull behaviors from both, both sides of the ditch and switch back at lightning speed going back and forth, pulling out, because we don't know any other behavior to help in our defense. Okay, got it. And so how does someone climb out of the ditch? What do they have to do to find that balance again? 
I think that's on the road. Yes, uh, that's where we want everybody to eventually be because what I found in working with addicts and partners is that these are the behaviors that lead up to those addictions. These are those behaviors that lead to that deep separation and that betrayal because people aren't able to, to navigate these more common everyday experiences. And so at the very, very deep place, that's where we turn to addictions, that we're, that's where we feel like we're the victim, that we're the betrayed person, uh, and we're powerless to be able to make the other person be more kind towards us. And so it's in recognizing what are my behaviors and what can I do about them, because then that empowers me and it takes me out of that place of powerlessness. And the same thing with the addicts, under, underneath an addict's behavior is a deep sense of powerlessness. They might not even, even though they might feel a sense of power and control in what they're doing, it's actually powerlessness that's driving those behaviors because that feeling of empowerment, those addictive ways only lasts for a few moments and it always brings destructive consequences. Um, whereas being able to name, what are my fears under this? Well, I'm afraid you're going to leave me. I'm afraid you're going to abandon me. I'm afraid you're going to reject me. Uh, and when we can get to that place of vulnerability, then we it makes it so much easier for us to have compassion for one another too. Now I got a question for you. I um, Do you know who Dan Drake is and Janice Cottle? Yes, those names are very familiar. Yes, well, they are. I can't stats, think of the book like, that they've written. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a full disclosure, and they've written a series Ooh. of three, and they have this intimacy trust um, diagram, and and it goes like this: at the foundation of intimacy is honesty, and you know if you had not retreated, but maybe a few moments maybe even an hour or two to really understand what was going on for you and then shared with your husband what had happened, you might have gotten to intimacy faster. But so many times hurt people hurt because they don't know any better. They're trying to figure it out. So in this pyramid, there's honesty, which then builds safety. And then if you've got safety, um, there's more of an opportunity to share truth. And when you have truth, that moves right into vulnerability. Then everybody's sharing their feelings, they're talking, they're working on empathy, they're trying to understand the other perspective, and that forms true intimacy. And that's what your study guide seems to do for me. It really helps couples to figure out how to get back on the road of intimacy and connection and closeness as opposed to retreating into old behaviors that no longer serves them. So what do you think? Do you think that that's what you're striving for is intimacy? A hundred percent. And I think that that fits really well with that, that model of honesty and trust because ultimately the others focused behavior 
so many of those things are based on not being honest about what the person really thinks and feels because that was what was modeled, that was what they were trained. In childhood, at some level in their family of origin, it wasn't safe to be honest about what they really thought and felt. And so this is about identifying different ways this inability to be honest about what you think and feel shows up on both sides. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. And so do you see a specific profile? I mean, would you say that addicts tend to be more um, me-focused and partners tend to be more other-focused, or can we not make that kind of generalization? What's your belief after you've been studying this model? Well, I've seen people who've been very others-focused who have – become addicts, uh, sex uh-huh. addicts, um, or alcohol, or whatever other kind of addiction. I've seen very me-focused pe- people become addicts. Uh, and so it's not, I wouldn't say, I would put uh, addiction on the me-focused side, but because we switch ditches, we go back and forth. Um, because when we go to an addiction, we stop thinking about how, what our behaviors are doing to, that are affecting other people around us. And that's why I put it in me focus because we forget to think about how other people are affected by what we're doing. In an others focus ditch, we forget to think about what, how we're impacted by what we're doing. Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense. So as we begin to wrap up, I'm wondering, Charlene, um, what kind of feedback have you gotten about your study guide? How long has it been out, and how can people find it? It just came out May 25th. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Good, Goodreads. Uh, I have a Facebook page, Charlene Benson Author. Um, I'm also available at benson therapist. Um, .com. I'm still working on my website, so it's a work in progress. It's not complete. Um, So it's not been out for very long. It's available uh, through ebook as well because I have some international contacts that wanted access to the book. So I did make it, even though it's a study guide, and normally they don't make uh, study guides ebooks, I did make that available as an ebook as well. So uh, it's available at um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Goodreads. And um, I just really hope that it helps so many relationships find those nitty-gritty little things that they can do differently that will make a huge change in their relationships down the road. Well, absolutely. And, and so, again, you, uh, your email is Benson, and that's B-E-N-S-O-N books at gmail.com. And if anybody has any questions for you, is having trouble finding it, or maybe is, is needing more information about a concept, they can email you at cbensonbooks at gmail.com. And so I just want to thank you because, again, you wrote this great book. It's one of my favorite covers in the entire world, the um, Unstuck book. And Thank you so much. Now, 
Oh, it, it's amazing. I love I loved her in that convertible, throwing her hands up. And, um, and so what I, I know to be true is that when we write something, oftentimes there's the need for revisions of some sort down the road, and that's what Unstuck is. It, it was your way of saying, Okay, now you want more information on how to get out of the ditch and how to live a more balanced life, both individually and in relationship to others. And so this study guide is so practical and is so easy to read. I, would, I don't want to tell people to get the study guide without getting the book, but that is how good it is, is that you're so descript that it is something you could do without getting the book. It is really um, a nice, nice teaching tool. Well, thank you so much. Yes, I'm really hoping that will make a big difference for a lot of people. And a number of people have already said, oh, I want to do this, go through this with my group. And so it could also be a, a group activity that people you know, can um, go ahead. I, because I saw that same thing in your book. I thought this would be great for groups. Um, and they could be supportive to each other as they are climbing out of that ditch and being the person that they really want to be. Precisely. Mm-hmm. So anything you want to say last to, to leave with our, our listening audience about you, about the book, or about relationships? Uh, I guess the thing that I would like to say is Working on the relationship uh, may be the hardest thing that you ever do, but it will also be the most rewarding, not only to you, but to your children and your grandchildren going forward uh, throughout generations. Because we have not, as humankind, had the tools to know how to relate in healthy ways to one another. It doesn't matter what country you're in, that's the truth. And so by having these tools to help us will just turn out to be a blessing for everyone, yourselves and your children and your grandchildren going forward. So I encourage you to do the work. And if this isn't a book that is appealing to you at the moment, I trust that there'll be another one. Carol Sheets has some amazing books on Healing, Help Her Mm -hmm. Heal is an amazing book too. And uh, people have been very helped. So I just trust that whatever you feel led to start with first, start with that because it takes a ton of resources for us to learn how to shift and change what those generational patterns have been for eons of time. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Keep us posted. Let us know when uh, when you're putting something else together, whether it's a workshop or group education, and Charlene, I just wish you the best. Thank you so much, Carol. It was great interacting with you again. Have a great day. Hey, you too. Charlene Benson is always thinking, and she really is making a difference in our community. There is no doubt about it. And, you know, as I have experienced, I actually wrote um, a group work, uh, sexual recovery for group work. And from that, I wrote Sexual Wisdom from the Masters. And then from that, 
I contacted a publishing company, and that's where I wrote Help Her Heal. And I couldn't just write Help Her Heal to help uh, sex addicts help their partners heal uh, through the use of empathy. I had to then write a book for the partners on how to get back to equilibrium and own his or her own power. Well, from there, I wrote Help Them Heal. And, you know, there's no doubt about it. I so enjoy working with sex addicts, and I so enjoy working with partners. But I have a special place in my heart for couples because this is a tough, tough place for them to be in. I've made it my mission to help them to heal by teaching them the skills. Um, I'm going to be, we are going to be doing actually a workshop. I'm going to see if I can pull it up real quick. It is... uh, going to be, I keep changing the dates, but we've actually got one that's official. Let me give it. It is a couples workshop, and it's going to be on Saturday, all day on Saturday. We made it available on October 8th, and we are doing 10 to 5 in part so that, you know, people on the East and the West Coast can still participate. And we're going to have that up on my website this week. So if you're interested in working on some exercises in the book and really getting a good conceptualization of why I wrote the book, uh, myself and co-facilitator Kim Petroni is going to be helping me and we're going to be helping couples to create their intention statements and to you know, just work through the tough, um, some of the tough issues that come with getting through the three stages of partner betrayal. So go ahead and mark that date, October 8th, and I will get that on the website, and you will see it under trainings and workshops. should have it on by, oh, I'd say it's the holiday week. I'd say by Thursday or Friday this week. And as I say at the end of every show, you know, there'll only be one of you at all times. Fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Work on honesty, safety, vulnerability, intimacy within yourself and within the relationship. And um, lots of intentional self-care till next week. Same place, same time. Sex Health, Carol the Coach.